trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Austin Smith and Kaya Woodford of the Bexley Anti-Racism Project. This is from your website. Our mission is to actively combat racial inequality through education, mobilization, and amplification in order to support people of color in the Bexley community and nationwide. Welcome Kaya and welcome Austin. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On Saturday, June 6, the Bexley Anti-Racism Project led a Black Lives Matter march from Bexley to the State House. My family and I marched with you and it was huge and it was powerful. Mm. How did your group the Bexley Anti-Racism Project come to be, and how did this march take off? Let's start with you, Kaya, as you are the founder and president of this organization. Thank you. I so appreciate your support in attending our demonstration. It was powerful for me to be part of and really see our efforts materialize in such a successful way. It was inspirational and I didn't have any expectations going in to the marsh because I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> I'm going into my second year of college at Ohio State. I studied political science, African-American, African studies, and I'm pursuing a minor in Spanish. So I'm also 18 years old. I have no organizational background at all whatsoever, but I felt that it was time to speak up and speak out against racial injustice and inequality in our community. Bexley more specifically, and even the country more broadly. So I would say what started everything was my participation in demonstrations downtown. As soon as I got back from, I was vacationing in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. As soon as I got back, it was a 10 hour drive. I was at the state house that night and I was part of any efforts, any protests, and everything going on, I needed, I knew, I felt in my heart, I had to be part of it because these are my people. I'm a black person living in America, right? These headlines and these issues directly impact me. And so I was emboldened by the anger and frustration and rage within my community to speak out and say something. And so I started there. So I spoke downtown a few times initially, and then there was a recording of one of my um, pieces that I've written also posted on my platform. And the way that the audience was compelled was inspiring to me, and I wanted to reach a greater audience. And that was at the same time that a few other Bexley High School alum reached out to me and said, hey, like, we need to do something in our community. And so together we created the Bexley Anti-Racism Project and we hosted our first event, the one that you marched in on the 6th of June, and it was incredibly successful. And from there, we've just kind of hit the ground running and all eyes are on us, right? We're under <laughs> scrutiny because it was huge. I had no expectations going into the event. We're like, okay, so what are we going to do? We're going to do a march. We're going to go to the state house and it's going to be the Bexley community effort and let's provide people the opportunity to demonstrate and respond to what they see going on in the current political climate. 
people came out to support us and we invited Austin to speak and that's how he became involved with the project as well. And we had a number of other student speakers as well as community members speak at that initial event and even Mayor Kessler spoke. So it was incredible and everyone was invigorated and passionate and angry and we're, we're marching, we're shouting, we're protesting injustice really is what it was. And I think it was a beautiful thing to demonstrate political activism on an issue that is so important, right? And so from there, we have also hosted a reflective event. So that was at Jeffrey Mansion. It was a yoga session guided by a black instructor. And it is foc was focused on activist burnout prevention. Because when you engage in these efforts, it's exhausting. And it's important to think introspectively and really analyze how am I doing mentally, emotionally, like what do I need? And so we reflected as a community and the meadow behind Jeffrey Mansion, which is huge in Bexley, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we gave a brief history actually of that family, the Jeffrey family, and um, it was also successful. So all we've been met with is success and the support of our community. And our next event is the screening, which is available on all Bexley art platforms mm -hmm. of Rigged, the playbook to voter suppression. And we will be hosting a panel featuring esteemed faculty from The Ohio State University. Uh, Dr. Baker is a professor of statistics. Dr. Jeffries, Dr. Judson Jeffries is a professor of African and African American studies. And we also have a couple other panelists. Um, I can provide you the information for that, but it is all on the website as well. So you can carry on with any other questions that you have. Sorry, just a little promo. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much. And how about you, Austin? Yeah. How did you, how did you get involved? Um, I, I can tell that um, you were invited to speak, but Tell me a little bit about your, your um, why you were invited to speak for one reason, and also you, how you were involved with Bexley. You live here, obviously. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your, what got you started with this. Yeah, so as a 2020 graduate, you know, um, there were a lot of things that yeah. our, my class missed out on um, because of the coronavirus. But then in, in addition to that, you have um, this Black Lives Matter movement sweeping throughout the nation. So as I followed this happening, one day, it was a Tuesday, June 2nd, my friends and I went to a protest. It was downtown. We were just out and um, at breakfast, I was just eating cereal and I was thinking to myself, man, I should prepare something to write. And I had actually seen a video of Kaya speaking. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna follow in her footsteps. So I did just that. Um, I gave the speech. My friend who um, is already at Ohio State posted it on her social media and since she has a large following, a lot of people saw it. And I'm guessing that's how um, some of the members of BARP saw that. So then they invited me and that led to our successes in our march, which occurred on June 6th. But even before the 6th, um, I wanted to share the feeling of like being uplifted by my peers with other people. So I organized my own march. We met at Bexley High School. It was June 4th, the Thursday. And then we met at the state house, we carpooled there. And that was great. So um, with all of these, you know, successes, just moving with the momentum and educating, amplifying, motivating, doing all of these things. But um, in addition to that, like Kaya said, we have realized many successes. We've gotten our voices out there. People are listening to what we have to say. 
But even though we are like reaching the audience that we are, we're still like fighting for and advocating for the change that has yet to be made here in Bexley. And even though like, um, for example, Mayor Kessler, Mayor Bexley has passed the civilian review board pushing for that to be passed. Like um, some questions that come up were like, how much power is this review board going to have? Is it going to be fairly representing um, African-Americans and other minorities that live in Bexley? But in addition to that, like a review board isn't going to solve the racism that exists in Bexley. So we're still pushing for many things, mainly um, within the education system. So in the high school, in the middle school, elementary schools as well. But obviously there's a lot more work to be done and Kaya and I are just blessed and very um, thankful to be a part of the change. Absolutely, and to your point on the system or the flaws inherent to our current educational system, Bexley statistically is really something to look at. I mean, you have a 6% black population and very few minority faculty members in that there's a lot of issues with that alone. And so we have a meeting with the superintendent in the near future where we hope to look over the strategic plan for the district and really target ways in which we can actively combat the racial inequality and issues of inequity that are currently present within the district because they are present and we need to take action and this is the perfect honor opportunity to do just that. Have both of you gone through the Bexley school system or lived here all your life? Yes, I grew up in Bexley. I went to the Jewish Community Center for Preschool, right? So I'm Bexley through and through. Montrose mm -hmm. Elementary for elementary school and then Bexley Middle School and graduated from Bexley High School in 2019. Okay. And how about you, Chris? You too? Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you guys have gone through the whole Bexley system. So you really understand oh, where Bexley is. And, and Bexley's a primarily very affluent. Mm. And like you say, six only 6% are African-American, so it's and primarily white. Just to provide um, a source for yeah. that such a school information, we reached out to the Bexley Police Department mm -hmm. and the graphic um, regarding policing, ticketing, citations, arrests has been also posted on all of our platforms. And even trying to obtain that information, we were met with difficulty. It mm -hmm. took nearly four weeks, right? And it's that's just concerning to me because the question is why hasn't this already been made public mm -hmm. you know why do we have to wait for you guys to get the information together for us mm -hmm. it's a little well, bit because because you guys are are forcing and causing no one hasn't been asking change, the right question. change right. people have just been defaulting and things have been going on and on and this movement since George Floyd's society, absolutely. Death and the Black Lives Matters yeah. movement, late recent, just so much mm -hmm. police brutality right. and police has been absolutely. the focus. Um, the forefront of media attention right now. Yeah. So, what are some of the specific changes that you see that Bexley needs to take on um, for racial equality and racial justice? What are some of them? So when you ask that question, is it in specific regard to the school system 
because I have that answer for you. Yes, but whatever area that you guys are working on and are and that you okay. that you have come up with at this point. I know you're just a pretty young. I mean, your organization is not that. You haven't been together that long, have you? No, we've not. Okay. But so in looking on the district level, the issues of racial inequality, injustice, and inequity are systemic, right? So we need to look at deconstruct, dismantle the current ineffective system because listen to this, what's crazy is, so I went to Vaxley, right? My senior year of high school, I was an editor on the torch, our um, student newspaper, great publication. <laughs> I like claim we do a lot of good things there. Austin was also on the torch as well in his time at Vaxley. Um, but I had to choose between seventh period, they offer torch or you can elect to take African-American studies. That's interesting. I couldn't take a course in African-American studies, which in my opinion should be mandatory for all students, right? Let's start with the curriculum, making African-American history because is it not history? And also to that point, the question of why AP United States history by default is white history. Why is the struggle of an entire race of people one unit in one course? Why is everything by default white? That's mm -hmm. a question that we need to answer, mm -hmm. right? So I was forced to choose between maintaining my editor position on the publication or learn about the history of my people. Unfortunately, wow. I was in a position of leadership. I had people relying on me to do my part and contribute in the way that I had previously as a reporter in my junior year. So I had to take Torch, right? And did wonderful things. The Torch is lovely. I love to write for it. But also my junior year, what's funny is the fact that I was the sole black student on the staff, mm -hmm. right? That's not okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's absolutely not okay. And there are so many just intricacies and complexities as it relates to representation of black people within the district. So I mean, that's an issue. So the, to my point on the curriculum, it needs to be changed. We need to have mandatory African-American history because it's history, right? Of people of American, black people are American people. This is American history and people aren't taught it. And which is why one of the biggest pillars of our platform is education. People mm -hmm. are not educated on the issues, the history, and why we fight so hard against the system that was designed to oppress our people. People just don't know about it. And that's how you're able to remain complacent because once you acknowledge an issue, you're morally obligated to act in response to the issue that you've acknowledged. But if you don't acknowledge the issue, there's no obligation to do anything about it. So people just like to pretend that it doesn't exist. But if we provide you the information and resources to educate yourself, then you'll do something about it because now you know, right? And it's wrong not to do anything. It's wrong to do nothing if you know about it. Well, even some people know about it, but That's won't true. choose That's not true. to do something about it. But, but the more people are educated, the more apt they are to understand what about you? What about you, Chris? Austin. I'm sorry. Chris, you know why I called you Chris? Because I have a friend named Chris Austin. And so I, I get that swapped. So Austin. <laughs> oh, yeah. What about you? I mean, yes, Austin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, what, what do you think, Bexley, how do you think Bexley could change some steps they could change to make, to make it a more, um, what's the word, more inclusive? Yeah, yeah. Racial just, racially justice. Mm -hmm. 
So um, not too long ago, Kai and I were actually invited to the Bexley City Hall. We spoke with the mayor and two other city board members. And we were talking about some changes that could possibly be made. And um, the primary thing, as Kaya said, is the change in the curriculum with, um, but that mainly has to do with the school board. So at that particular meeting, we weren't able to address most of the concerns that we had relating to education. Now, in addition to that, since we were able to speak with the mayor, we talked about um, police training. And some of the things that I brought up were like, um, for example, um, the Bexley police officers already go through uh, racial bias training and all of these other um, types of training that are supposed to like prevent the like imprisonment and arresting and warnings and citations of all of that like disproportionately affecting minorities in Bexley but obviously it hasn't been working like if you look at the statistics. So um, one of the things that I recommended or that our organization is actually advocating for is um, like to restructure that training. And in that it would be police officers meeting, like um, first of all, they have to live in Bexley because that's not already a requirement. Mm -hmm. But second of all, they have to meet Bexley residents. Um, so we actually know who like is on our force. A lot of the times we see the policemen in uniform, but never just, you know, at Bexley events. So being forced to interact with in during Bexley events. But then, um, yeah, also just, um, Shoot, I'm trying to think of exactly what we said. But I mean, in addition to that, just things like that. Like, um, there are a lot of little changes that can be made that make big differences. So, I mean. point on the um, police department, Mayor yeah. Kessler, following our meeting, actually implemented a small discussion board type situation. So it's one police officer and three to four community members where he's looking at um, having students participate in those discussions too, but I mean, in essence, a positive point of entry in engagement with the law force here, right? So they can have conversations and speak as people to one another to get a better understanding of their lived experience. We don't see, I feel like an issue we're currently faced with in this community and nation more broadly is the fact that it's an us versus them. And there's dehumanization in that and you're not seeing eye to eye with people and just speaking honestly about your experience, right? So we're trying to remove that barrier and provide a platform to engage in open dialogue. Yeah. I mean, understanding really. Mm -hmm. But then- but that, Let me just do a station ID. Oh, this is Grassroot Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, WGRN, and I'm with um, Austin Smith and Kaya Woodford. And we are talking about their group. It's called Bexley Anti-Racism Project. Go ahead. Oh yeah, um, some more things. Less police, Bexley's over police. It's only two by two square miles, but we have about 66 police officers, which right. makes no sense. And um, possibly redistributing those funds to other programs such as like education would support, which would support, um, you know, that elective class that would be made a, um, like a, like you're forced to take it, that class of African American history, exactly. Yeah. Um, also during community activities, including the black parts of Bexley, um, it's very like the barriers you can see easily where the black people live it's in Bexley. The economic divide, very exactly. Yeah, so including them in those activities would encourage, I guess, more discussion and more like relationships. 
including who in those activities including oh yeah the black parts of bexley so like um um in bexley basically black people really only live in two places and that's like all the way by maryland elementary school like over where the train tracks are mm -hmm. and where's the other place i'm trying to remember it's in south like sheridan area there are yeah. more street names that i'm not quite familiar with but more yeah. so south so it's mm -hmm. like far north and far south yeah and many of bexley activities occur in central bexley mm -hmm. so um i guess like word isn't spread far enough or they aren't encouraged enough to like come and join in on the activities. and so. to that point there are events within those communities not communities little nuclear communities let's say mm -hmm. um but there's no integration in attendance really it's mm -hmm. like de facto segregation right mm -hmm. by selection it's not that it's legislated it's just the way that it happens to be but we need to adjust that enforce mm -hmm. that enforce this strong verbiage but um encourage mm -hmm. that what kind of encouragements would help? What would help? I mean, is it is is it kind of like starts at the very young age of like preschool? Are you familiar even with the term? So, <laughs> Tupac, right? Thug life. Have you heard that? I've heard the name Tupac. Thug life is an acronym. Oh no, I don't know that. You give little infants F's, everyone, and so it starts base level with children, raising anti-racist children, right? Because then you're proactive about all of this. If we raised our children with good morals and values, they'll know right from wrong and won't even engage in that behavior. It won't be an issue because they were not taught to behave in that way and maintain those perspectives and have that abhorrent mindset that obviously is present in issues of racial injustice. So we have to start at that base level. And we also need public preschool and points of entry for these students who don't have education is everything. And especially in those formative years. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say um, also just one more thing. I spoke to a lot of uh, the black, a lot of my friends' moms that are black and what they had to say was um, encouraging more low-income housing in Bexley because that would also attract um, more minorities, more Black people, and then encouraging them to get involved in all of those activities aforementioned. And further to the point on the young youth development at that young age, adolescence, pre-adolescence, just very late, even starting around six years old, maybe even sooner. Maybe something as simple as having a black doll, you know, a positive point of entry and exposure to people who aren't like you to say, hey, like these are people too. And right, and we, we interact with each other in this world because it's made up of, comprised of so many different types of people of different shades, complexions, ethnicities, races, religious beliefs, political, sexual orientation, everything. So we need to begin at that level in educating children on the world around them and the people in the world functioning around them. Yeah. It's really simple stuff to understand. There's nothing complex, political, or difficult to comprehend about mm. our mission and our platform. It's to educate. 
And um, you also said you want to mobilize and amplify. Yes. So re locally and nationally, do you have some um, goals sure, sure. nationally sure. or statewide? So when we say um, amplification specifically, I would say was the next largest pillar of our platform. The two go hand in hand, right? Amplification of black voices within our community and national resources, right? Mm -hmm. to educate, amplificate those voices, or excuse me, amplify those voices to educate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so they go hand in hand, they go so perfectly. We are a platform to provide a voice to those whose voice has too long gone unheard. Mm -hmm. It's quite simple and quite effective. We don't have to do the grunt work because these people have lived experience and can tell you about racial injustice as it personally afflicts them and their families. We just are giving the stage to them and providing a point and also the audience. It's just, we're playing matchmaker. matchmaker. <laughs> and for um, efforts at the state and national level, nationals, that's big, that's big. We're starting with the local level because you can enact real change at the local level and we're seeing it play out before us. We're talking with administrators and public officials right now and we're seeing the results, right? So, I mean, we're starting there, but our social media is huge. I am really starting to understand just how important harnessing the power of social media in today's day and age is. Mm. Our 21-day anti-racist um, challenge, you've probably seen, provides mm -hmm. tons of great resources to educate right, yourself on these issues. At, and, that, um, at that, tell people um, how they can find you like, uh, and how they can find your 21-day uh, sure. um, so, What's yeah, of it course. In the 21-day um... anti-racist challenge. So yes. you can find that on all of our platforms. We have a website, Bexley ARP, Bexley Anti-Racism Project, Bexley ARP, Bexley ARP dot org is the website. Right. And we are on all social media platforms under the same handle. So Bexley ARP is how you can find us and how you can also find access to that challenge. And the challenge is on Facebook. It's had, I haven't even checked the numbers today, but earlier in the week, it was nearly 300,000 engagements. So you spoke earlier about this panel discussion um, in response to the movie Rigged. Can you tell people how they can get involved? Of course. So like I mentioned, our handle on all platforms is at Bexley ARP and our website is BexleyARP.org. There you can access the virtual screening of the film Rigged, the voter suppression playbook or the playbook of voter suppression um, and as it stands our panel will include contributions from Dr. Judson Jeffries, professor of African-American and African studies at Ohio State University as well as Dr. Jonathan Baker, professor of statistics at the Ohio State University as well as Benton Bodemer, a corporate attorney as well as an adjunct professor at the Moritz College of Law at the Ohio State University. We are also looking to host more speakers as well. The event is July 8th at 7 p.m. It's a Zoom webinar. Saturday is July 4th. What is your take this year or in general about the 4th of July? The 4th of July, um, commonly known as Independence Day, um, for a while, well, in Bexley, it's widely celebrated, um, I guess, 
um, human nature just to celebrate the holiday. There's fireworks, there's the parade. I even participate in it as a part of the school band. And for a while, I blindly celebrated it, just like everyone else. But um, finally, you know, before these protests, thankfully, it didn't take that for me to step back and really think about what I was celebrating. Um, I just realized that that Independence Day isn't my Independence Day. Juneteenth is. And um, me blindly participating in all of these events is just, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, yeah, as I've said, and as I continue to say, like July the 4th isn't a holiday that mm -hmm. I celebrate. And um, tomorrow I'm just going to be living life as I usually do. How about you, Kaya? Well, to me personally, the 4th of July is one of the greatest hypocrisies of this nation, right? So when we think about independence, the question arises, independence for who? Because I just recently on June 19th celebrated my independence, Juneteenth. All right. Thank you both for being on this show, for gra on being on Grassroot Ohio. And may the power be with you. <laughs> Thank you. It was nice to meet you. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.